Get her done. Get her done, son. Gotta find my little notes. Okay. Very nice. Okay, so we are back with like part eight of this. <laughs> um, so we just finished up on uh, talking about like your your experience with those four different categories um, <clears throat> with a change in your approach to shooting. Mm-hmm. And so let's move on to the second thing, which uh, unless you have any questions to follow up on that. No, we're good. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so the next part, I gave you a, kind of like a filter question and then some notes underneath it, and so I'll read that. It, the main question was basically, has changing your mechanical and technical approach to shooting had any influence or brought any new valuable knowledge on the mental aspect of the game for you? You can filter this question through the following topics. Um, so actually dealing with tournament pressure, uh, the influence of your mental state on your vision, your ability to execute certain mechanics and your emotional perception of your external environment and how that changes your ability to use visual or physical mechanics. So like the first half was more technical stuff. This is more mental stuff. So, um, floor is yours. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tournament, tournament pressure has changed. A lot of it goes back to what we were talking about of being, all score focused, um, you know, and I still pay attention to score, but um, now it's I try and shoot as though score doesn't matter, but in a different way than when I'm working on things. Mm. Um, I try and be uh, memoryless. As I go station to station and bird to bird as much as possible. And I try and stay like what I would call, say, next bird focused, next process focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, because taking, taking a miss from the stand before, just like we had talked before, like, you know, in golf, right? It, it's like, I can't do anything to make that up it's gone so i can't necessarily make a better shot to get an extra half a point or something like that everybody knows this but so what i can do is shoot clean right very rarely does anybody shoot uh a hundred percent you know most people you know most most good shooters you know 85 to 95 you know, so there's birds to miss, mm-hmm. and understanding that you you've ju- you've got to really kind of focus on doing what you what you in tournaments doing what you can do best, um, and leaving that other behind, um, so that it's like okay yeah so I only missed eight birds so I'm a ninety two, I'm competitive maybe at this one, who knows you, you know depending on you know, how the birds were set. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I'm a player today. Um, you know, but I'm not going to be there if I'm taking things from prior stands or, or anxiety from prior shots into the next shots. That's going to work to compound. If I, if I am having a stumble or I am having a problem, that's going to work to compound whatever it is. And, 
it's not going to solve it. It's going to make it worse. So learning to, to approach it like that has, has been, you know, a big change for me. So, um, um, just so I make sure that let me, I'm going to try to summarize what you said in like a sentence and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, basically what you're saying is that through the change in what you've been doing and in your mechanics and your technique and your overall approach to the game, it's brought to you a different type of an, of awareness about yourself that allows you to, um, that allows you to kind of understand the state of the different important components of your thoughts during a round and which ones to pay attention to and influence and which ones not to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. You know, a lot of that is breaking a bird, you know, um, and, and a respect that, you know, you go to a, go to a tournament, maybe, maybe you shoot, who knows, bigger tournaments, you might shoot, you know, anywhere from, you know, any tournament, you know, you might shoot anywhere from four to nine events, you know, a yeah. uh, crazy one, you know, that you just kind of go hog wild, um, you know, and understanding that some days you're going to be able to do it. Um, and some days you're not. And most of the days are in between and you're going to have to work at it. You know, you have those days where it just feels simple Mm -hmm. and you have those days where you feel no matter how hard you work at it, it, it doesn't help. But most of the days are somewhere in between where you're going to have to manage who you are and your shooting and your, and and, in your eyes and manage everything to get it to be where you want. So that statement actually kind of brings me into this next little part. And and I want to ask you how you manage that. But basically the, you, you said, you know, um, manage your state and your vision and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So talk to me a little bit about how you have learned and come to notice that with a different perspective on how the mechanics are interconnected, your physical movement is interconnected to your emotional and visual state when you're shooting. So with this new understanding and your ability to, to conceptually grasp that the interconnectedness of those three things. Um, He's, say, say that again if you would. Yeah, so so basically <coughs> bringing into light the fact that you're bringing into light because of the fact that we now understand how the physical state you are in and the emotional state you're in and the way at which your eyes are seeing in any given moment. And I'm not talking about detail, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, How they're working. Yeah. Um, those three things hugely influence your ability to execute a movement that you have planned. Either it does happen or it does not happen. Mm-hmm. And depending on the state of, of where you are in those three categories, 
that's going to, you can almost learn to predict what movement is going to happen when you call pull if you're aware of those three things yeah I'm, and i'm with you yeah so I'm with you. um my question is that talk to me a little bit about it's not really a question i guess but talk to me a little bit about what you've noticed to be the influence of the emotional slash mental state that you're in over the way that your eyes work and then how you manage that well mostly i drink i mean in the mornings i drink lots of coffee eat a couple of honey buns yeah and then grip it and rip it yeah you right. do like a, a four shots of pre-workout yeah i mean i i get out of the car i slam the door hard. yeah yeah and i'm i'm you know i shout as loud as i can i'm ready to go yeah like get her done <laughs> you know uh, now there are days honestly though there are days that are that yeah right and i can't little st- rick flair yeah and i can't <laughs> i can't stop myself on, the, on those days and i don't know what that is it happens in the morning rounds usually um but uh yeah that's a good question um so you know i, I think about it so much deeper now as I'm in rounds and as I'm in stands and take, you know, uh, as I'm running my pre-shot routines up to taking, uh, taking a pair, um, as I'm, uh, preparing in the morning for a shoot and kind of working myself up to the start of the day and in that type of thing, um, the emotional, like the environment, there's, there's a lot of things that that affect it like so i've got that ex the external environment the squad that i'm with the people i'm shooting um you know the pressures that i'm under how how busy some courses the way that they're laid out there's just a lot of activity uh behind you that was one thing over at tex uh at uh arclitex that was really really nice the entire course, um, it seemed like we were gapped in the front and the back. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like we shot on Saturday and Sunday. It just seemed like we shot the course alone. Yeah, it's a nice place. And it, because the way that the stands are laid out, they're gapped. They're gapped real nice. So it doesn't. There's not bunch up spots, it seemed like. You don't see any station from another station. Yeah. Other than like the first two. Um you know, and I can think of a couple other shoots that I've that I've been at, like down through the Florida Swing, and some of the courses um, on on different you know different courses. Maybe it was a prelim or or something like that, where it just seemed like you were on top of everybody. The guys behind you were on top of you. You were on top of the guys in front of you. Um, there was barely even a reason to have a buggy because the stands were you know so close together yeah. in a couple in a couple places i think north prelim at the jack links was kind of like that it was just a short course but a lot of stations and you know all of that activity i didn't respect it when i shot that round at at uh, the north prelim jack links um i didn't respect how distracting that was for me mm-hmm. um so i didn't control it very well there that yeah, i had a lot of things going on in my head and I, I was just I was very I did not control the game that 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 round very well um, and honestly like that just dis- the distraction of 
you know, that external distraction that I was allowing, uh, my mechanics may have been good, but you know, something in that my vision was all, I was questioning, I was questioning my vision. I was, my vision was spooky. Um, I love the words you use. Yeah, I mean, it, like <laughs> spooky spook and gassed. And yes, I mean, spooky's spooky to me is when, like, I can, I have kind of two two ways I see a bird at both ends of the spectrum, really, and one is, um, that bird comes off of the trap or where maybe it comes from behind a bush, wherever it is, I've. I've positioned my eyes in the right place. My emotional state is in the right place that all effort and energy is in the eyes. And the moment that thing comes off out in interview as an orange streak, my eyes are on it and start to clear it up. You know, it's still an orange streak at the very beginning, but they're with it and they stay with it. And it, it gives me everything I need for the mechanics, for the body to move. And I just fire. Then there's what I call spooky. And that's where my eyes aren't ready. And it's usually because either I haven't prepared my eyes or it's because I have distractions. Yeah, conscious and, distractions. Yeah, and I haven't gotten myself to the place that I should have called pull. Uh, it's like I should have maybe taken another moment, settled down a little bit more. Maybe I'm less than confident in my plan. That one is bad um, because if you can't get confident in your plan, you're not going to be 100% with the eyes. There's, in my experience, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, now, you, the, what, you, so this is what's really cool about that. Um, to give people an understanding of what you're talking about from a neurological sense, um, you, know, you, you mentioned the word distractions. Distractions are something that you have to consciously recognize. And so I'm sure we can all relate to certain days where like just the person driving behind you on the course with the golf cart like going past you, you hear it, you pay attention to it and it annoys you or your squad mates talking while mm -hmm. you're shooting um, and, and or just visual noise like a bunch of movement in the back if it's a course that wraps around itself and you're paying attention to all these people in front of you, whatever it is. Um, there's days like that and you just can't stop paying attention to it. And then there's other days where it's like, you know, someone could set off a bomb behind you and you wouldn't even notice. Yeah. And the, and every person experiences <coughs> let, you know, the left and the right side of that spectrum, that all has to do with going back to that interoceptive and extraceptive awareness, like where your attention at that moment currently is. Is it on anything everything inside of your skin so to speak which sounds like a weird definition but that's what it is your breathing your 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 how you feel in your body your tension your thoughts is your attention on all of those things or is your attention on things outside of you now when you talk about your vision going spooky the reason why that that happens when you have when you feel like there are a lot of distractions is because in that moment you are more extraceptive yeah and you're very much attentive in your conscious attention to things outside of you and then here's where the neurology of the way that your eyes work comes into play which is that that difference between smooth pursuit vision and psychotic vision in terms of the ocular movement of your eyes 
smooth pursuit vision requires again conscious attention on the thing you're trying to look at but if you are segmenting your conscious attention by being extraceptive on the noises and distractions around you you're partitioning what you can pay attention to in, in terms of how much of the percentage of your attention consciously you can connect to seeing the target so therefore what happens is you don't fully engage in smooth pursuit vision and you get micro psychotic movement in the ocular muscle of your eyes and that's why the birds don't look as smooth or as slow or as detailed yeah. and so a, a quick way to get around that is if you experience that in a round immediately you can shut it off by doing this like you can say like um i'm gonna pay attention to my breathing and i want to feel the air come in my nose and fill up my lungs and then I want to and I want to decompress that breath in, and I want to exhale out. And then as you're doing that, pay attention to the way your body feels. Feel the feel your lungs filling up. Feel the tension decompressing as you release the air. And then, uh, and just literally by conscious choice, change your attention from something outside of you to something inside of you, and keep it on that. And it will help you not only remove the distractions, but also get rid of the spookiness of yeah. your eyes. So. Simply put, spooky intense, don't be spooky intense. Yeah, spooky intense is bad. Yeah. So, and that's what happens. Like, so a lot of times when I feel that what I call my eyes being spooky in the sense that, like, they just won't completely settle down. Um, and when I call for a bird, it's apt to streak through my eyes and my eyes not go with it immediately. Mm -hmm. And they get a little beat for where I've placed them. Normally, you know, that's a good place to place my eyes. But if I'm like that, and if you are, if you stay externally focused, um, what'll happen usually, at least to me, is my eyes don't get better. I get tense. So I try and knuckle down a little bit, which actually expounds the problem. Yeah, good Because word. not not just are my eyes spooky in the sense that they're going to get beat my go time for my mechanical move of the body is going to lag because i'm tense mm. and anytime that you're tense you have to come out of tension to move fluid in in a in a direction and so that's where I think you you expound it. So you experience maybe your eyes being spooky on one, on on one pair, and then you go to the next pair, and you haven't solved your eyes, haven't gotten rid of the external um, influences, and and put those on the shelf, um, and now to instead of doing that, you get tense and you're knuckled down so now that's the that next shot is actually worse than the one you experienced the original problem yeah and there's a good chance that at that you go to the next shot after that say it's a three bird a three pair station you go to that following one and you've actually expounded it even more mm, great you've example. taken it yeah because you think you're solving it um, and it's, I mean, it, that's a hard one. You got to stop that. You got to be able to recognize that. I mean, if people think about it and think about times that they're like, oh man, I'm actually, I'm trying to solve the problem by ramping up. Yeah. And you, 
in ramping up is probably not what you need. A hundred percent of the time it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what you what you need is to calm down and start and and get back to the place where you're allowing your eyes to work mm. and allowing your vision to do what what you know crazy you know crazy things that it is able to do if you don't get in the way of it yeah and because that's what that's what a lot of that is is you know you know that mental state that you that you asked about in in the original question is how is your mental state going to get in the way of you performing what it is you do know how to do and your subconscious knows how to do you know and you set up a nice program on and process of how to do it but now you're you're in there stepping on it yeah right you're in there you know um you know the only thing that really bothered that it didn't and it didn't really bother me i managed it um at the 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 Arclex, our Arclitex was uh <laughs> um i'm not even gonna go there um uh was uh you know, Dawson love you, but you're excitable. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, yes. you know, sometimes I'll be in the stand and you'll, you'll just be jabbering away, just excited. And I, I'm with you. I'm excited too. Um, but I have to be able to be like, I, I don't need to pay attention to right. that. Don't worry about it. Right. I have to be able to manage that as, as a shooter because that wasn't even, you know, I like, you know, I like Dawson. I like, you know, I like, I like the group that we were with. This isn't some random dude driving an, you know, an, a Kubota, o- an oversized, an yeah, an yeah. oversized side by side with a cab on it that he just can't stand not to have air conditioning and drives right up five feet from the stand and opens his door, closes it and then step, steps right up beside the stand. That's it's not that, yeah. you know, and that's really, you got to be able to manage that too. Of course, that guy's going to get something said to him, but, um, it, you know, I want to interject really quick there and, and just to, to make something clear, like for, cause I know that's a big thing that I get in so many video calls that people talk about, like, I just can't, you know, I couldn't manage the distractions and things. And, and all of the advice that I have heard online is not good advice because they'll, they'll, just ignore it. Yeah, well, it's but ignore it or like, like just, you know, wait until you can move past it and then, you know, keep focusing on, you know, the bird or uh, the pr- the only way scientifically to get to, to do that quickly and efficiently with good success to get rid of that distraction is you have to understand that those two different spectrum spectrums of interception and extraception. And being consciously aware of something as a distraction is extraception, extraceptive awareness. You can't, you can't refocus your attention to something other, some other extraceptive thing. Yeah. You can't go from I'm hearing that noise in the background. Let me focus on the target. Doesn't yeah. work. You have to, you have to move to the other spectrum. So yeah. you have, if you're, because you, you stayed out. You've stayed outside yourself. Yeah, and if you stay outside yourself, it it's it doesn't work. Yeah, you have to go from outside to inside. So you you literally will have to do something interceptively. Internally is another word, but internally is not the same as interceptive. 
Those of you that are listening to this, you literally look these words up. Actually, I'm going to do it right now just because I can. Um... So a lot of times in that same regard, what I'll, what I'll do is, yeah, I'll take deep breaths. I usually kind of, I might close my eyes and, you know, kind of rock a little bit, feeling, feeling the move I want to make and feeling inside me how that, you know, what it's going to feel like to move with the bird and, and kind of turn it in. Yes. Um, to, to get that. Um, and it also helps if you turn around and give a dirty look. Yes. Um, that usually helps me because I feel better then. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, you know, the emotional environment is huge. If I don't, you know, like just starting with the day, if I don't, if I don't show up with, you know, if I don't show up with like a want to do well or a want to run the process, um, a want to find enjoyment in, uh, in setting up a shot and having it go right. If I don't have those kind of wants in a day emotionally, um, I won't run, I won't run the processes and I won't, and I will be very like externally focused and, and aware of everything. Yes. You know, um, you know, when, when those things, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm focused on those things. It's just that, um, on those days, I, those things are important to me. Yes. Like they, I, on those days I enjoy figuring out where I want to break birds. I enjoy figuring out how fluid is it going to feel for me. Um, I enjoy the challenge of setting setting things up like that. And if you are, if you are, uh, depending on what type of person you are that day or in that stand or whatever, um, you may have to throttle up, throttle down, um, your engagement your with yourself and mm-hmm. with the bird and with you know sometimes if, if you if those external things aren't really distracting you at all if there could be a fair going on in the background um you, you know it, you it, it's it's no problem yeah you know and other times it seems there's barely anything going on in the background it seems like there's a fair mm-hmm. you know i mean it's like you step up, uh, like for me, if I step up to make a break, it's like sometimes I can shoot make a break like I'm standing up there alone on a day there's no one at the club. And sometimes I shoot make a break and I'm standing, I am literally feel like I'm standing in the middle of a fair. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, and I struggle, you know, and I, I tend to kind of join in on the fair and, and not take it seriously enough because I just can't stay stay focused on that you know we, we um, were watching the psca videos last night and think about the fair going on there with the mic and the and the commentation yeah, in the yeah. middle of the shot yeah i mean he's he's talking in the middle of the shots mm-hmm. with, you know, with, with speakers. massive speakers everywhere yeah you know and i mean in some cases in some ways that could very well be you know for me easier you know coming from like 
you know, my, my background of, of uh, playing hockey and lacrosse and racing downhill mountain bikes and stuff where, you know, when I was on the ice or, or uh, on the field playing lacrosse or, or, or roller hockey or something like that, I honestly, I, there could be no one in the stands there, you know, it could be championship game. You don't, I never, I, you don't know. Yeah. Unless there's, you know, a penalty and the whistle blows or something like that. You, I can't, I can't hear any, I can't hear shouting. I can't hear, you know, playing, playing hockey. I can't hear people pounding on the glass when I'm checking somebody. Yeah. I, there could be some little kid back behind the glass just pounding on it and I would not know. Yes. You know, if it was me being checked or if I was checking somebody. And, you know, same thing with with uh, downhill mountain biking. Very destructive. People are standing along the side of the course with oh, cowbells. Yeah. yeah. With cowbells just ringing them, you know, and shouting and blowing and blowing Why do they horns. Do that? Well, actually, on certain parts of those courses, there are people with cowbells or whistles. Because there's places where people are allowed to cross the course. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's like a warning. Yeah, and it's a warning. Because when you're coming, I mean, you're coming through, You don't, people don't even realize the speeds. Yeah. You know, you can't stop. Like, you, you know, you can't stop. You're a freight train. Right. You, you know, and you're using the, you know, you're using the terrain to control yourself and manage your speed. But if you're at racing speeds, you're not, especially if there's a jump that's coming up or a drop off or, you know, some sort of something that you have to be, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a baby head rock garden that the only way clean through it is to hit it at 25, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Right. I mean, and if you, once you get in that rock garden, you're not. There's one way to stop, and that's crashing. Yeah. So it's that type of thing. They ring those, but other people, you know, there's nobody monitoring. So there's people with those kazoo things, and just trying to be distracting. Oh, you know what? They're just trying to be in it, and a lot of them are are not even. They were not even racers and stuff. You know, they were just riders, and they would just be. They just wanted to be crazy, you know, <laughs> just like you know, it's like two, bicycle. Bicycle fans are crazy. It's like Tour de France, you know. There's a naked yeah. guy running beside you, right? You know, I mean, they didn't do that, but there would be. There'd be crazy, crazy dudes, you know, with their with their shirts off, ringing a cowbell, <coughs> right in a turn that you're that you're going through, and you don't you don't really pay attention. You might hear a cowbell, but it doesn't register yeah. until much later, yes. you know. Um, but it's but the difference there is like it's a lot that's a lot easier to focus because there's so much going on well, the actually, amount that had... you're reading in and the amount of feedback <coughs> that you're in the middle of in in racing a downhill mountain bike is overwhelming in the first place in in what you're you know the ex- extraceptive that's just around you and on your trail in front of you yeah. is so much and you're so focused on it anyways that like outside of that can't exist. There, there's a, a ranking score system to assess 
one's ability to attain a level of very high hyper focus mm-hmm. uh, it has it stand it's um n-i-c-u it stands for new interesting challenging and urgent and that's one of the things that makes shooting so hard because there's not it doesn't rank high in any of those yeah especially on an easy course it's not new it's not interesting it's not challenging and it's not urgent but when you do something like you know because i used to race cars um and if you're in a on a racetrack and you're going i mean i've gone my car over 200 miles an hour you're going that fast or on a bike running down a mountain with nothing on you the challenging and the urgency aspect of that are very high yeah. it will lock you in to a high extreme level of hyperfocus yeah. for the remainder of that thing and it's almost very very hard to get out and that's why you don't yeah. notice anything else happening but the segmentation of required focus and shooting being that you need it for like 1.5 seconds and then not for a minute and then 1.5 seconds and then 1.5 seconds and then 1.5 seconds and then not for 10 minutes again it's very very hard to do that and it's it's interesting because it's it's very intricate and very precise and complicated in its own way but the amount of like feedback in the amount of uh, information in comparison to many other things that take, um, you know, a greater aptitude with the body Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a lot more dexterity or hand-eye coordination to make bigger moves and powerful moves in things like this. There's there's a lot more to key off of in in those things and ours are so subtle yeah that if you you know with those you know say that you know racing downhill mountain bikes this is a big rock it's a big rock <laughs> right like i can i can take it serious semi-serious but at no point is it not still a rock in the way right right i might misjudge how big it is or something like that, but I still judged that it was a rock, right? And that it's in the way. Well, you know, if you if you like slip off of the subtleties of what we do, you you have nothing. Yeah. You know, there's nothing there to grasp to because there's it's all very subtle, you know. So talk to me a little bit about um through that filter of that subtlety of the things that you're trying to pay attention to and then also execute. Talk to me a little bit about how the emotional and mental state that you're in during a round influences your ability to execute specific types of mechanics and movement. Yeah. And then and then if you can, talk to me a little bit about which ones are inaccessible to which movements and mechanics are inaccessible to you in which states, if that make does that question make sense? Yeah, I think I'll kind of cover it all at once. Is is if you ramp up the intricacies of the feedback that you get when you're when you see the target diminish. Mm-hmm. So if you ramp up increased tension, ramp up anxiety. Um, push your energy levels higher 
um, the feel that you get from the target, the information that you get, the subtlety that, you know, maybe it's drifting slightly left or slightly right or something like that. That stuff's going to disappear, which you're going to, and, and you're, what you're going to have is you're going to have a line uh, of the target. You're going to have, you're going to have knowledge of the target, but all the feel of the target ultimately if you if you go too far with it goes it goes away Mm -hmm. and it it leaves you in a place in between well really what it does it leaves you in a place in between styles Mm -hmm. right we're talking about a a a style of shooting um in in what you've taught me and what you do use that is very um holistic and doesn't you know really focus on um so much the placement of the barrel after you view the target um there's not much thought about it not much thought on that there's not consciousness necessarily uh directly associated with choice later in shots um and so it leaves you in a place in which you haven't received the information to have the feel um, of a target. And so the, all that's left is to try and choose how to shoot it now. And it's a bad, it's a bad spot if, if you do it. If, you know, there's, there's levels of it. But if you can keep that anxiety down and you can keep your emotional states... Um, at a more even ground, it for one, shots become similar. Yeah. Like if you're going to take one shot and then take that same shot again, those shots tend to be the same if you can get your get yourself and your eyes and your vision and everything to a state, a baseline, a, a baseline. If you allow one of those shots, if you allow anything, anxiety, nervousness, tension, um, anything like that to be greater in, in one of the shots, that shot will be different than what you intend. Yeah. Because the idea being is, okay, so you've worked in practice. Um, your goal is this baseline shot. That's how your goal, yeah, that's how you want to shoot. That's how your plans are, are, are made. The only thing that influences that is, is if you realize you're not able to control some aspect, say maybe you had too much coffee or maybe something happened in your life and you're just not, you're not able to really control. Maybe it was a really difficult week at work or something like that. And you're not really able to control the anxiety of the pressure of breaking a target today as much. So you feel more anxious. And if you recognize that you're not really able to control that today, you have to change the baseline. That's going to change the shot. For me, that's going to probably push shots later than what I can normally make them. Um, I can do things in practice I can't do in competition. Um, a lot of things in practice, I do exactly the same in competition, but some things in practice, 
I can't necessarily duplicate time and again in a competition. And that's because my baseline in practice happens to be lower yeah. than and lower lower and more stable than what my baseline can be managed in in tournaments sometimes. Um, sometimes it's generally throughout the round the baseline's a little higher. And sometimes the difficulty of the bird or something like that will influence what that baseline needs to be. And now if I misjudge that and I think I'm that guy from practice and I actually am not, and those those levels are off, they're higher, that shot will be bad. Yeah. And I might not be able to control it for um, for that entire stand if I don't get a hold of it. And I don't have that self-realization that this is what's happening. Uh, this might be the shot I want to take, but I don't have it in me today. Or it's in me, I just can't get to the place that I can make it. Yeah. So what place can I get to and what will that shot look like? If you want a really interesting example of that, and I notice it a lot. If, even for myself when I teach at clubs after a tournament um, and I'll be like I'll start teaching Monday morning after the tournament ends on Sunday and obviously I'm teaching on the targets I shot in the tournament and if it was not a good tournament for me even if it's like you know even if I was in even if I made top 10 mm-hmm. you know I'm disappointed in that and I'll go Monday morning with my first student and I'll go up to the course and be like, this was the course that I shot. You know, it hadn't been changed at all. Wind hasn't changed it at all. Lighting is no different. Same time of the day, same weather. And it looks 20 to 30% easier. Yeah. The targets look slower. They look closer. They look more detailed. And I'm, I'm thinking like, sure, the first time that that experience happened to me was at Northbrook. And I thought surely they changed this course. There is no way that this has not been changed. And it wasn't changed. Well, remember I, I told I told you about uh, earlier, and I think this podcast we talked about when I went out uh, and practiced at Blackjack mm-hmm. after I had shot the course and I went back to... I was able at every station that I missed any birds at own the station yeah and some of those stations i was like what was i doing here holy moly yeah i mean think what of... was the bird i was like i i there were some birds i was like that thing looks that thing how did i miss that you're like that was a and monster this weekend yeah i remember <laughs> that thing same. being small yeah, small and fast. Small and 30 fast. yards further away. <laughs> and it's like, I could shoot it before the tree today. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's like, why was I doing what I was doing? Well, I wasn't controlling something. And that's why it was so good to go back and experiment and, and, and revisit that course for me was because, okay... Now I'm clean, and these are the shots that I wanted that to make. What was going on with me 
Now I'm familiarizing myself with where I need to be to make those shots. So next time I see that shot, hopefully my subconscious and, and my conscious knows where I need to be. And that target no longer looks small because I'm able to be there with it. Yeah, literally, the reason why I have these questions in this order, you know, um, the like the first two is, but you know, in summary, in our notes, is the, the influence of your mental state on number one, your vision, and number two, your ability to execute certain mechanics. The reason why that that I have that in that order is because of exactly what we just talked about, which is that you brought up your baseline level is more stable and lower in practice than it is in a match, and as is everybody's. Mm-hmm. And and your your baseline emotional and which we will also that's tie the two words of mental state and emotional state together. Mm-hmm. Um, your mental slash emotional state when that becomes elevated in any sense of of that word elevated, um, it it drastically influences your vision because it influences your breathing and your oxygen levels, which influence your vision like neurologically and chemically. And that's what's happening when you, you know, if if you're in an elevated state and you're not uh, assigning some level of interceptive self-awareness to how you emotionally and mentally feel during a round and and you're not aware of that just continuously climbing and getting higher and higher levels of baseline during a round, then you're not going to notice how much it's influencing your vision because physiologically your body is changing because of that state that you're in. It's changing in, in your blood oxygen levels. It's changing in the data rate that your eyes send information to your brain. That's going to change. So, the, you know, the emotional state changes your vision. The vision influences your emotional state mm-hmm. because you see it further away faster smaller less detailed and then you think my god that's hard yeah and then because you think my god that's hard then that feeds back again in a feedback loop to your vision and then that influences your body because as you just said as your baseline goes up you have certain things accessible or inaccessible to you Mm -hmm. and one of those things is your ability to finitely use a finesse uh, of movement i almost said a word that uh i know he's gonna listen to this uh, Ron Schwartz in uh, New York always he coined the term finessive aggressive and finesse but it's like your your ability to make a move that's purely finessed with a bird goes away when that baseline goes up mm-hmm. and that baseline goes up because of your vision so when uh, and uh, and your emotional state so all of these things are connected and basically your your ability to do brain surgery with your gun in the target that precise of movement is inaccessible to you if you lose control and awareness of these things yeah and it, i mean when it when it's happening it feels a little it's it's a little panicky mm-hmm. you know yeah for sure i mean that's that's really the sensation when you get it when you have it wrong that's the sensation that you get yeah is is a little bit of panic yeah it's it, happening because of the bad visual information that makes the targets look further and faster, which makes, and because of your high levels of extraception, you have an extra layer of processing for mm-hmm. your decision making, mm-hmm. for your go time, as you and used you to can, say. You can do that. To, you can do it to yourself without the bird really doing anything. 
if you feel fearful yeah. of a target, if your confidence is lower on a target, all of a sudden these things start making targets look faster and they start making targets look further. They start making targets look smaller, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, strangely enough, the gun gets bigger then too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that kind of answers that next part, which is, you know, talking about your emotional perception of your external environment and how that changes your ability to use, you know, specific visual or physical mechanics. That, that's all of what we just talked about. Um, do you, uh, do you have any questions on any of that stuff from a student perspective that you, or, uh, or things that you think other people would want to ask listening to this conversation? Uh, they, they may have, uh, um, you know, we're, we're talking about this in the light of how we shoot. And that is a connectedness to the bird that's not related to the tip of the barrel. Mm-hmm. It's related to the feel that we get in making the move. And that starts from the moment that anything can be seen, the moment that motion can be seen. Um, and even, or heard even, if it's a hidden trap. Um, so keep in mind that the what we're talking about, how we're talking about, it can be applied across the board in any style, but, you know, we've already pre-planned these shots and we're trying to do our plan, run our process and, and make our plan as pure and precise as we can. And we're talking about how far off of that pure and precise imagined shot that we are. Yeah. Coming from the opposite end of the spectrum, you would basically experience it where if you're experiencing the way you would experience it in the shot, if you don't shoot the way that I shoot, because that this is applicable across the board, they were not talking about mechanic specific things or shooting approach specific things in this conversation. This is just for every single person that ever shoots a shotgun. Um, and the way that if, if you come at the game from the opposite end of the spectrum mechanically that you would experience this in your shot would be in the use of soft in the use of the transition from soft focus to hard focus around your insertion point because what would happen would be that you would have less less of an ability to smoothly connect to the bird at your insertion point um, because you have a high, higher levels of physical tension it's going to feel more rigid in movement but then also the transition visually from soft focus to hard focus is is basically going to be extended for a longer period of time because of your heightened sense of all of these other external factors that are influencing you to stay stuck in more of an extraceptive awareness and which is going to force you to be more attentive to the gun and the gap and and you're going to pay attention to the speed of the bird more you're going to see it more instead of feel it more and you're going to basically the transition from psychotic movement from like static psychotic movement to moving smooth pursuit movement is going to be very very long um and 
because of your heightened sense of extraceptive things. So uh, while Curtis was talking, I did look up uh, an easy way to define it. You can think of extraceptive awareness as all of your five senses, smelling, seeing, hearing, tasting, and feeling. Um, interceptive awareness is sensory perception, internal sensory perception like um, uh, of of like inside of your body so feeling that you're hungry or feeling that you're tired or that you have to go to the bathroom those that's in interceptive it's breathing and tension and things like that so because you're more focused in this extraceptive space um and meaning that you're 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 high in a higher level of awareness of your peripheral vision the bird is going to look faster coming from peripheral into center ocular and that's going to make it you respond quicker yeah um and so it, it basically nets the same result but just on a different road yeah you, you may experience it as like a sense of at the time that you normally think that you would become connected to a bird and take a shot you might experience a sense of slight apprehension mm -hmm. and that connectedness to take the shot will become semi-elusive yeah almost to the point where it's like oh there it was it's gone yeah and and you will and and then you'll be back in the apprehension and and you, it, you just it just will be you won't be able to grasp the finality of finally taking the shot. Yeah, it, it, it'll happen in fractions of a second, but that's that's what you know it would feel like. a sense of apprehension, and then the shot would become elusive, and the shot's gone. Yeah, at that point. Adios. Yeah. Um. Uh. I'm trying to think if this is a good... I don't know if I like the order of this, but we'll go with it. Um, practice approach value? Yeah, so... I think we, we talk about that's it. What I, that's what I'm already. thinking. It's not really a good... Well, I mean, but we, it, we kind of went over it before a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we could retouch it real quick. No, I, I think we did go over it. Um, and I think... It, and it, But it brings me into how I want to ask you some about the, the last three things. But I want to reframe what the question is just a little bit, so... It says that I want you to talk a little bit about your ability and level of focus of conscious attention in the following things, practice, tournaments, and lessons. But I also want to add on to that, that I want you to give a little bit of your perspective on, um, on if you can define the category of things that you are focusing on in those three different subsets. So like, what is important for you to pay attention to while you're practicing? What is important for you to pay attention to while you're in a tournament? And what is important for you to pay attention to while you're learning or in a lesson? If that makes sense. And so, okay, yeah. So my ability to focus, uh, you know, my consciousness um, in practice my it, I sh most of a lot of practice for me has a lot more consciousness of of stepping on 
aspects of the shot. When I say stepping on aspects of the shot, over influencing certain aspects of the shot to get it to be where I want to be. Um, so I may over influence one aspect at the sa sacrificing another one because I, I'm trying to I'm trying to raise in and find that baseline for for types of shots. Mm. Um, so you're like hyper focusing on one specific thing in the shot mechanically or visually that you're trying to influence and you're dialing it up or down this in spite of everything else just to see what happens yeah i mean it, it, it's different if i'm practicing a particular shot and i've already i've already found the baseline that i the want formula. for that style that formula yeah. correct yeah the formula for that shot and now i want to solidify it so i want to i want to you know i've already tested it i've tested it early i've tested it late this is the place I want to be comfortable. This is how I want it to be. Okay. Then I'm going to drill that a little bit. You know, that I'm going to try and get to the unconscious. I'm going to try and get to more of a state in which I would try and shoot it in a tournament. Because that's what I'm trying to duplicate. Um, but for a lot of practice, I'm not as familiar with a bird. I'm, I'm, these are challenges that I'm trying to give myself in a lot of cases. Yeah. So I'm shooting more exploratory. So I have a lot more consciousness of how I felt. I might have even more consciousness during the shot of making an adjustment or, or something like that. Um, where I'm, 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 I'm just stepping on it a, a bit more to... Uh, to challenge it, to um, to try and make it something that at the current, you know, currently it's not mm -hmm. for me. I'm trying to get that feel. I'm trying to I'm trying to find. So it's very exploratory, and I'm conscious of that exploration. Yes. So in tournaments, I'm not doing. I'm not exploring during the tournament. I should have. I should make a plan on a pair of birds, um, you know, run through my pre-shot routine and my setup, and I'm I'm about execution when I'm when I'm shooting in a tournament. So my consciousness um, in shots should be very low in my in my pre-shot. It. it there's consciousness that it, that's fully conscious, but in my in my setup and in my shot process, it it shouldn't be. It should be. I've already I've already made decisions, right? I shouldn't be bringing decisions into the shots. Yeah. Um. Now there is consciousness between stands. Um. As I think about how the round's going, there might be con. There might be a heavy consciousness in a tournament in between pairs um, throughout the round at different times that I'm not actually shooting. Um, assessing how the round is going, how I feel, and, and making conscious changes to how I'm shooting. Maybe I thought today was a day that I could put the heat to it 
I shoot the first three stands, uh, the first three stands, and and maybe it goes good, but my level of apprehension, my level of anxiety, I can feel it start to climb. And if I don't get control of this and I don't calm back down, I'm not going to survive the day. Yes. So I need to pull in a level of conservatism. I need to pull in a level of slowing myself down, um, or else I'm not going to survive this day. My score, you know, my score is going to take a lot of damage from this because I know myself well enough to that if I start ramping like that, I'll, you know, uh, it'll kind of be like a you know, nuclear reaction, you know, with, that doesn't have enough water to cool it or something. Um, and it'll just, it'll just, it'll just get a little out of hand. Um, you know, so those are conscious choices. I have a consciousness of that. I try to have a consciousness of that, you know, to, you know, but it's not during the shots. Yes. And, and it's in, and hopefully I don't have to do it too much in a stand you know going in going into a stand assessing the birds of a stand maybe in between stands yes um in between birds i hope i have a a good enough feel for who i am going into the stand and setting up my plan that i'm not having to reassess that in between pairs yeah you know because if if that's the case in between pairs I'm, I'm getting a little off the rails, probably, you know. Um, I was, I had to take some notes because I knew my brain. I had a few thoughts while you were saying mm-hmm. that that I wanted to talk about, and I knew I would forget them if I. Could. Okay. So, um, talk to me a little bit about how. Um, how do you, or even do you, struggle at all, with the the back and forth changing of sets of focus in a tournament and what you're paying attention to in a box or during the execution of a full round. Is that something that you struggle with at all? Or say that again, uh, and maybe give me an example of what you're thinking. Okay. I'll say it a different way. Talk about the difficulty or if it's not difficult, what you do in order to, be able to successfully change the specific thing you're paying attention to throughout the whole course of a round from one thing to to the next as the round progresses. Because a lot of people struggle with being able to understand, do I stay hyper-focused for the full round? Do I, uh, on my shooting and on my planning, or do I need to make it to where I, you know, I'm planning for a little bit as I see the birds and I step away and I can become more social. And then when I get in the box, I have to think about like my pre-shot routine and the rehearsal of my plan. And then when I go to call pull, I need to shut that off and focus on my, on the bird visually. Like, is that anything that you struggle with at all? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, if I allow apprehension to build and I become score, score focus or, or uh, if I become less process focused and I become more product focused, um, I will carry a lot of that in between stands um, and, and 
build and, and, and the focus will be wrong. Um, I try an in-between stands. You know, I may assess how the last stand went. But these days I try and take that time a little lighter. Um, I mean, and I kind of, I kind of ramp, I, I don't, I don't want to say ramp up, but I kind of work up to the next stand because the next stand is what matters. What's next matters. Mm -hmm. What has happened, um, I try and glean the bit of information that I can from it in, in the sense of, um, say my focus was slipping on the last stand. Maybe it was an easy pair. You've seen me do this. Maybe it was an, maybe it was an easy pair, and I went into the stand with a good plan, and slowly, through the stand. Uh, by the last pair, maybe it was a four pair. Maybe it was an easy pair, four pair stand, or medium medium pair. But I should have ran it, and. You know, maybe I, I ink balled the first pair, maybe the second pair, but then I just flipped it onto autopilot and pulled focus to where there actually wasn't much focus. I wasn't focused externally to the people talking behind me. I wasn't necessarily focused on the bird either. I was re you know, there's times when I like, I'll almost just take time out. It's not good. Mm -hmm. It's not good. Um, and uh, and I may get through the stand and 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 have broken all the birds. It's you know, but I can feel it. Like I felt those two bird, those two first birds. They felt perfect, and I don't even really remember what I felt as I finished that stand on the last pair. Mm. You know, if I don't, if I'm like that. I need to do something. I, that's information I'm taking to the next stand. I can't continue that. Yeah. I need to change something about what I'm doing, about what I'm thinking, um, to stay engaged. Um, now, I've also we've also talked about, and I've been experimenting with this. Um, how many pairs that I if I'm the last person in the group shooting, um, depending on what the view pair is, um, do, do I make and solidify my plan right then? Or do I take a look, consider different things, have a soft plan at that, at that time, step away because there's going to be a gap between that time, between the time I actually get to shoot and maybe it's a five person squad in the time the first person views them. Maybe I step away, have that as kind of my, you know, my basic rudimentary plan. And then I reapproach the stand at about maybe a person and a half before me, depending on who's shooting in front of me. Um, Sometimes I might want to see a little bit of the person before that or all the person before that. Maybe I don't want to watch the person in front of me or something like that. 
but um and that in a lot of times that's when i will solidify my plan is um i've done my research i've got my information you know i have a soft plan um and then i'll kind of step back to it after maybe the first two and a half shooters have have gone through um can't watch all those birds can't can't sit i i typically can't sit there um through an entire round um and watch all of their birds dreaming of my plan for one it it creates too much familiarity with my plan Mm -hmm. without execution you know my plan's all about execution for me and if i watch some too many other people shoot it right in succession all shooting slightly different than my plan what kind of information am i actually giving myself i'm not interesting i'm not giving myself my plan i'm giving myself things that are slightly different than my plan now i'm now i'm actually logging things i kind of don't want to do and put in and putting it on top of the thing I do want to do when the thing I want to be focused on is what do I want to do it's it's I'm interested about that because um that's something that I hear a lot of people talk about um and like I know Wendell or Tom will always you know, like if we're shooting in a squad together, three person, three the three of us, and there's a four person squad, and there's somebody in there that, you know, has a very different or wild move, um, they always want me to follow them because it it hugely influences their shooting to have to watch that. To to me, it, I don't even notice, mm-hmm. and I and I wonder why that is. Um, uh, uh, to me, I would rather be some behind. Uh, I would rather follow somebody and watch people shoot that are wildly different from mine, because generally that means that uh, that I get more information on the bird. Well, I okay. There's there's logic to that. I also find that if the person in front of you, in front of me, is a bit like me but only close, I find that's not always that great. Do you mean that it influences how confident you are in what you're planning to do? Because as you see them do it, if it's working, you're like, well, maybe that should be what I do. Or do no. you mean that you somehow you just soak up? Somehow I soak up. Um, it happens to me every once in a while with you where I'm following you mm-hmm. and my planning a lot of times is very similar but might be i might shoot just a hair later than you because maybe my my the uh the magnitude of my trust and ability in my eyes is not as great as yours Mm -hmm. So that allows you to be a little earlier with the shot than I. And at times, 
all step up behind you and I've had watched too intently yours but it was so close to mine that I've made I've somewhat allowed it to influence what you know I knew my break point and where where I saw it clearest was slightly further along in its in its in its line than where you were where you were breaking it and I was okay with that but then I can come up there and mistakenly because I almost am receiving a a, a second program that's a little souped up mm-hmm. um, versus my pure program yeah that that I had you know so I, I find I do find you know if it's uh, a good example. Um, I don't have, I don't have any problems shooting behind Haley, mm-hmm. right? Because Haley lets me see all of the bird until it's like three feet from the ground. Yeah, and I can, I can see, I can see a couple of her pairs, um, and then step up and shoot it exactly the way that I want because I don't have any. There's no influence from that to me because she shoots mo many many targets in such such a different way than I do it, and so I'm, I'm I'm fine with that I mean it just about makes me scream shoot it yeah you know do you but, ever if you're if you're following like me and I'm shooting them earlier do you ever extend the movement of the bird with your eye like after I shoot do you ever keep your eyes moving and your body moving to rehearse what it would be like where you want to um yes but it depends on it depends on where I have a where I have a greater influence on my shot. If say it's that first bird that you're breaking a little sooner, mm-hmm. and one of the things, and it's a report pair, and one of the things that is that I have deemed in my pro- program that I feel is a danger zone of a a potential pitfall or mistake being the transition from one bird to where I want the eyes and the barrel to go for the second bird. I kind of have to make that if I'm going to, if I'm going to like rehearse that while you're shooting, that has to happen from the break. Mm right and if i don't respect that you've broken that sooner that i'm going to break that later i can institute that sooner break into my plan and not really have and not really have a consciousness that i've been influenced it doesn't happen very often i'm talking very subtle yeah i know what you mean right yeah but i've seen it happen to me yeah where it's like damn it i just i just went through this stand trying to make not quite my shot i was i was stuck in between my shot and david's shot because i watched david's shot yeah right and the transition ended up not being a problem because i actually had rehearsed the transition plenty and snapped the eyes in the barrel to the right place regardless of what happened with the first bird but it ended up being the first bird that i ended up a little lost on and 
some of that was, you know, in my planning, in my rehearsal, in my viewing of those early periods. I wasn't completely true to my yeah. plan and allowed it to be it to be influenced. It's not really a focus thing like like you asked but but it's a, it's where where I've allowed influence to come in. I've been out there. I'm searching for it, right? Yeah. You know, because you know you're intently watching okay, I'm going there and then there and there, right? And you're mocking that move all of a sudden you just actually kind of mocked his plan. Right. Right? You got to be careful about that. You know, I mean, your game Bella. your game is uh, a lot more stable than everybody else's. You yeah. know, not everybody else's, but everybody that's not to your to your level, you know, the other 50 guys or so that are 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 full on pro. You know, and, and, and have done it many, many years. Right. right. So guys like myself that are, you know, that are working on, you know, solidifying who they are as a shooter and getting to that um, that level, which, you know, their style is pretty well all defined for themselves, um, which leaves less questions in, you know, you have less questions I would say, in any pair than somebody like me, you know, developing my plan, my plan and my, and my shot has more pitfalls in it on any shot than what yours does. And mainly because you've spent a lifetime so far eliminating those. Mm -hmm. And some of, you know, on many, for many shots, they still exist for me, mm -hmm. you know, at whatever level, right? So I have to be, you know, more focused and more conscious on a, a little bit bigger number of things because the number of mistakes that I potentially will make um, are is both more numerous but also more dramatic. Yeah. You know, when I see you make a mistake, well, it depends. But um, when I see you make a mistake, it's it's pretty rare that it costs you a bird and when it does it's very subtle yeah right it doesn't I, just look like you randomly shot four feet over the top you know and it can for me at times right you know because i just you know i let i let a bunch of different you know mistakes pile on top of each other and i just really did bad on that bird yeah i had a, a interesting thing happen to me at Arclitex. Where because it had been so long since I last shot at the tournament, um, that I do you remember the first day? So the first day started off, I dropped one on the first station, then we go to the second station, and it was those, um, those two incomers, and the third station was a um, like a quartering. A fast quartering bird on your left and then there was a uh a, a incoming bird coming in and like going into the tree kind of it was bef right before you make the turn into the corner fast quartering bird dome yeah yeah okay yeah. so it was a difference between my 94 on friday and my 98 on saturday and then what led to my 100 on sunday 
where I think had I not noticed this on this station, on the third station that we shot, I probably, instead of a 98, I probably would have had 94. Um, and what happened was because I'd been so far removed from shooting tournaments, I kind of lost that uh, internal awareness of how my body was feeling to be able to assess what parts, like different layers of my planning for shots. And I, I was just noticing inconsistency and weirdness. And the gun just felt super foreign to me. And my movement felt very rigid in shots. And we get to that bird, which was a very fast bird and required like a quick... The first bird. Yeah. Required like a quick but finite movement in the gun in terms of the mount. It, was it a, wasn't a in slow. the air very long. No. And um, so I made the first shot, hit it. And I was like, if I keep doing that, I'm going to miss it what felt weird and um i couldn't quite put my i couldn't quite pinpoint what it was i went to go set up to see i wasn't planning on calling but i wanted to set up to see if i could feel something in my body that was wrong so i set up and i noticed that in my routine how i mount the gun change my posture then dismount my gun i was maintaining a lot of tension in my right shoulder and hand and that was forcing me to make a movement in the mount that was purely just like right hand driven in the mount, which was dipping the front of the gun some in the movement. And uh, as I progressed through and mounting when the when the target comes out, and uh, I was like, oh man, I've got like a seventy percent blend of right handedness in my mount, and it, sh- and it should be almost a hundred percent driven by the front, for the left hand. And I was like, okay, so now I pinpoint it. Let me reset. So I dropped the gun back down again, and I got relaxed, and I set up, and I had that, allowed myself to have that tension, and then I let go of it, and then I felt the weight of the gun transition to the front hand, and I called pull, and it was 80% better, and the movement was more fluid. I felt the bird better in my body, hit it harder, and hit the second bird. And I go to the third pair, and did it again even better than the four maybe it was it was either the third or fourth pair it was four I, birds yeah but on, four I, pair. I can't remember if this happened to me on my last or second last pair but i almost missed the second bird because i had a moment where i i made it to where i had zero percent movement or control of the gun from my backhand and one of my either my second last or last pair on that first bird and it felt so fluid I hit, the bird disappeared. It was purely dust. It was the only one I hit like that on that station, and the fluidity of my movement was ridiculous. It felt it felt exactly like the line of the target, and my brain got so attached to that. I it, I was like, whoa, that felt good. I and that was the one where that little tiny dinky incomer. I I literally cracked it in half. <laughs> I almost missed yeah. the second bird because of because of the thought that came into my head was, I've been doing this for 20 plus years, how did I just now realize I had so much tension in my body? It's because for, for 116 targets that I had shot, I was not paying attention to my body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, even though I was making good plans, I wasn't assessing my ability to make that plan happen because I wasn't paying attention to that. Yeah. pretty interesting yeah that's it yeah when, that was a that was a far more difficult bird 
than than what it appeared. That first one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was hard. To, to shoot it, I mean, I shot it before, like, just about right when it started to curl down. Mm. And it only, the, the thing only went 20 yards. Yeah. And only got to be five feet high. Yeah. It, you know, and it had a decent amount of spring and, and was, and basically came off and started curling down. Yes. And I, on that, on that particular shot, I was connected enough to the bird. I never really saw, um, it, it break. Mm Mm-hmm. I sent the message. The bar- I had the barrel in the right place. Um, my move was good, and I and I never. I thought it broke. Yeah. But I had already moved the transition. You know, I had already transitioned to the to the other bird. I trusted that. Sh- I had to trust. I had to trust that shot a lot. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you have to. Be, the angle it, of it. Yeah, and they're just there's not there's no consciousness. There's not consciousness during that shot. I mean, you have a consciousness right after that shot. Yes. You know of what that shot, but if you step on the consciousness of that, is you know there's not any time. I mean, Haley shot him right near the ground. Mm-hmm. You know that's a different shot. Yeah, much different you shot. Know. Yeah, much. Yeah. Um, okay, how about that same filter question, but through the process of learning and taking lessons? You know, learning and t- taking taking lessons and coaching and, and learning is somewhat about letting, like, letting go. And, you know... Whatever your code, if it's you know if it's worth his salt, he's he's probably telling you what he wants you to do, and because he wants you to get to a place, um, and he or she, it, and you have to be willing to not con- to consciously allow yourself to get out of the way and try um whatever they're saying to do don't wonder whether or not it's right yes you know don't consciously try and 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 be don't be in the way of it just try it if it works, try it some more. Then consciously start wondering, how is this working? Yeah. How is this making me feel? Why is this like this? On and on and on. And get to know it better. Mm-hmm. But your first goal is to just do it. Yes. And not really get in the way of it. You know, to the point where you don't you might not even really have a feeling when when you first get it you might not have any knowledge of how that just happened just you might just have like a little a little picture 
in your head in a slight familiarity with the feeling of it. Um, because it's so foreign uh, a lot of times that when they're working with you on something and you finally get it, it's so foreign you hadn't imagined it in the first place. It wasn't part of your plan, right? Because you didn't have a successful plan that was like what he's teaching you mm -hmm. before. So this isn't something that you're familiar enough with to have planned to do. This is something that you were told to do and you were free enough to let it happen. And now you're trying to register, okay, so what was that? Yeah, what happened? What happened? And that's when you start becoming more conscious of it. What was it that happened? And start owning it and start having it become part of you and practice it in, in that type of thing. Um, you know, when, when you're in the lesson and you're in the learning phase, it's for me, it's about, it's about openness and trying to understand <clears throat> what it is my, my instructor wants me to do. I'm not trying to create when I'm in a lesson. Mm -hmm. You know, unless he's asking me it, to do that and we're working on something like setting up setting up pairs or something like that. Okay, yes, he's asked me to create. But I'm not trying to create something. I'm trying to I'm trying to find what he's giving me. Yeah. Is is the way I look at it. And I want if I'm trying to create at the same time he's trying to give me something, I'm stepping on what he's trying to give me. Probably. And how do you, how do you feel like you resist the urge to go on autopilot when you call pull and instead actually try to execute something totally foreign and new in movement? Does that question register? In, in lessons? Yeah. That's tough to do. You've been around me. I, I, there's times when I when I've struggled to do it. I can tell you, you know, if you're gonna go to a lesson, you know, have your awareness high, get good sleep, be at, you know, be at the energy level at least even better in some regards than what you want to have when you go to a, a round of competition. Because this is going to, it, it, it should be, getting a lesson should probably be harder than a, a round of competition. I think. For you. I mean, because mentally you're going to be doing if if you if your coach is if you're not just out there with somebody that just is all about banging clays yeah um, and he's he's about challenging you giving you um, new techniques that are unfamiliar to you that are going to advance your game you're you're breaking ground for yourself 
And Breaking Ground is going to be the most unfamiliar. It's going to be the most, some of the most taxing, mentally taxing shooting that you're going to do. Yeah. Because he should have you on birds that you may never or very rarely see in competitions. He should have you shooting th- shooting birds or doing things with birds or with the mechanics that you have never done and are completely unfamiliar with. And the whole time that you're in that, you have to be processing it. You have to be putting it into its correct places in your brain because you've got to log all this stuff and go go practice go practice it and institute it into your game um you know after you leave this lesson right that's a lot going on as you're taking these shots i mean i I leave sometimes i leave uh you know a a lesson we've shot 150 um shells and i can be exhausted yeah I can be exhausted and, you know, and I haven't even processed all of it. I haven't even had a chance to... I'm gonna, Bella, that's... Mike is picking that up. I don't want to... I'm going to okay. m- move my dog. Hold on one second. <laughs> my dog's having a little party over here. Yeah, you, I mean, you're, you, you've got a... You know, I haven't even had a chance to... At this point, I haven't even had a chance to actually practice on my own... And with my own thoughts, test what I've just learned mm-hmm. out there without my coach. You know, the time the time that you spend, you know, in lessons and learning, you know, you, I mean, if you're paying for this, you know, you should be, you should be receiving information. You should be receiving everything that you can so that then you can go process it put it together, try and use it, you know, complete the learning aspect of, of, uh, you know, of the process, yeah. right? I mean, if you go to a lesson, mostly you, you probably haven't learned it. When I say learned it, you know, some, some level of mastery, some level of, a familiarization that allows you to use it, right? You probably haven't gotten that. Yeah. Right? That's for you to get mostly kind of on your own, on your own when, when you're out there. With the help of your coach telling you, this is how you should practice, these are drills you should use, yeah. and this is how you should be experiencing if you're making progress. This is what you'll be experiencing if you're, if you're regressing. I also want to add, that you know we were talking about like you should come with a high level of awareness and you know to answer the question answering the question that you that you were answering there um there's things that the student can do you know going into the lesson but also on top of that it, it is with a good instructor or coach you know Every day I'm giving a lesson, a lot of times I have somebody that just doesn't know how to have the level of awareness to be able to control their body in a way to do something new as opposed to go on autopilot. That's my job. That's what they're paying for me to do is not just teach them it, but also guide them into the right 
headspace to be able to overcome that autopilot response. But it, you can obviously think about and like preload this mindset that you want to be in for the lesson in order to have that be as effective as possible so that I don't have to spend the time to deconstruct your movement uh, because we can't get it to where you can you can do something new. That's always very, very helpful um, if, if a student can come to that lesson in that space. And generally, if you've never taken a lesson before, it'll be hard to understand what we're talking about. If you have um, and you work with a coach consistently, like it's very rare now with any of my students who I've seen more than once or twice that I ever have to get to that stage in a lesson where I have to like, okay, let's go do this. I'm going to do this drill and deconstruct what you're paying attention to and make it to where now you're, you know, getting to the point where you can move consciously with your body as opposed to autopilot. Um, but every once in a while it happens in the first lesson or so. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you want to add on that? Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so... Do, it's filter questions, right? You have questions for me? Uh, no, I think that was... Oh, yeah. Was that... That was about the... That's all of these. Yeah. The other part was uh, questions that... Uh, it was about the journey, kind of, right? Well, no, we covered all that, but basically what I... If you did your homework correctly, Curtis, yeah. you were supposed yeah. to come with questions for me. Yeah. <laughs> but also, we're at... Four hours. Really? Yeah. For part two. No. Yeah. Plus three hours on part one. Wow. Okay. Well, there was a couple. You go ahead. Ask okay. me. Well, I'm just... Um, I think this was more along the lines of... Um, these were... I, I think... You would ask me what things would help as as I began this journey to change the way that I shoot. What kind of stumbling blocks did I run into uh, that were eye-opening and kind of hard to get past or uh, um, I that, can, you want me to read the question yeah yeah uh, it was um, during specific key moments or transitional periods of your journey of learning what were some of the main turning points or moments where if you had the answer to specific questions it would have shortened the progression time of your learning and then what would those questions have been okay so I, I, I didn't so much write down the questions, but I did write down some of the key moments. Mm-hmm. Um, one was uh, the understanding that the style of shooting was not at the tip of the gun focused. Mm-hmm. I knew it was different. I did not have a, a, um, a, vo- a vocabulary, really. Or an understanding of where different was going to finally go. Yeah. And that was, that you have to take the journey to, to get to understand because you're, that's why I don't really have, you know, what question would I have asked at the time? Because I would never have been able to have formulated the, uh, uh, that right, that right question. Well, I, my I, whole, 
my whole body of work was something different. I think what I, I had no awareness. What I meant was different. now, like the the reason why I framed that question the way I did was basically to give you the backstory would be, um, obviously while going through the process, we don't know what questions to ask, but now having the fact that you have gone through the process, if you could start the process over again, but retain all the information that you have, what would be a questions that you would ask that would help people going through it for the first time without that knowledge? With regards to what I just said, it would be, um, so like the filter would be it, not to help be, you. I, um, it would be with an understanding that we are no longer going to shoot with a conscious awareness of the placement of the barrel to bird relationship during the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question then how will I know where my barrel is? Mm-hmm. Right. So I question something like that that takes me from what I was familiar with and tells me what it is that I'm going to towards in the unknown. Yeah. Um, another another statement I had is... Well, let me answer that one then. Okay. And then move on to the next one. The, the answer would be that you shouldn't. And I know, I know you know the answer to these questions, but that's a great question, and it's a perfect question that a lot of people will ask. If I'm not going to look at where my gun is, how do I know where it is? The answer is don't try to know where it is. Because if you try to know where it is, what will end up happening is, again, you're partitioning your awareness and your attention into the wrong thing. And that doesn't allow your eyes to work neurologically in the way that you need them to, which doesn't allow your body to move proprioceptively the way that it needs to. And therefore, the whole system is broken. So by caring where the gun is and trying to say, well, I was told to look at the target, but I also want to know where the gun is some way. I want to pay attention to it peripherally. By doing that, by paying attention to it peripherally, instead of looking at where the gun is for the lead and people, you know, what that literally will do will not allow the thing that you're trying to learn to work. And this is why I would love to have people on like Ben Hosswait or some people who publicly would disagree with me on, um, on the fact that, you know, like how can you, how can you say that you don't see the gun? It's not that I don't see the gun. It's that I'm not paying attention to, yes, to the I, gun. I have an awareness. Yeah. and Well, you have a proprioceptive awareness. Yeah. You do not have a conscious awareness, which is yeah. why a lot of times you can't answer where the lead is because yeah. you're not consciously paying attention to it. Proprioceptively, your body feels where it is and knows where it is because that would be like saying... If, if, if you if someone would argue that you can't look at the bird and not pay attention to the, where the gun is and put it in the right place, then you would also be arguing that you can't walk with your eyes closed. Yeah. If you say that you can't walk with your eyes closed and you can't actually physically do that, then I would I would concede to the fact that you can't not you know do this in through the filter of shooting, mm-hmm. but. But the the only way to experience it correctly is by by not trying to care where the gun is, 
uh, because if you do, it will break that proprioceptive chain and you'll be trying to do the thing that we talk about as professionals, but you will be failing at it because you'll be pushing it through the filter of the old way to shoot. And that's the hardest barrier to get through. Yes, it, is. it is by far the hardest barrier to get through. Um, and well, remember the, the last, my last pair, my last stick, our last stand on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I missed two birds. Yeah. Um, I I broke the first pair. And there are three, a three pair stand. And I missed the second bird of both, of, of the second and third pair. And it, it, lot, there's a lot more to it. But the bottom line was, is it put me in a position. I shot it more conservatively. And I shot it more conservatively on purpose. But what it ended up doing was it put me in a place on the second bird that I don't like. Because I did have to be, I had to place the barrel and have, it was it became too conscious. Mm-hmm. Because of where the, where I had let the bird get to, now that had to be. A much more conscious shot because the I didn't have much feeling left in what the bird was doing and I didn't like that because each time that I did that and I went there the it became too gun focused yeah same thing imagine the same thing happened to me obviously because it, it was the same shot yeah but I, I had to shoot 100 straight yeah and I'm like I know I don't want to look at the barrel but this thing is forcing me because you're right it had no feel to proprioceptively move but and, it was just and there. honestly had I been shooting the the other style that's an easier shot yeah it, it's a for le- that style it's not an easier shot it's a less scary shot yeah 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 for me on that shot if I don't if I don't move to that bird and pull the trigger and I try and find what I'll try and do, I'll move to that bird and take a, just a brief moment to feel that bird without consciousness of the barrel. I will put the barrel in the right place and pull the trigger. Mm. If I take a few moments to consciously see that bird I I will I will then become conscious of the barrel and then I won't know where I am yeah like because of the style that I shoot it has to be um, more a little more I don't want to use the instinctive because that kind of takes it in a different way but it's a little more just purely what I'm seeing, how the bird makes me feel, and placing the barrel. Yeah. Um, without consciousness of that so much. I don't have a micro adjustment after I look at the at the bird to, to finalize it. Yeah. And the reason I missed the two birds was I then looked for a micro adjustment. Mm-hmm. Only... Because I don't shoot it that way anymore, I didn't really know where to be, mm-hmm. you know. And then by that time, now I've gone conscious, and the bird is changing, and 
my the way that I move and the way that I move a gun is not for conscious. So I'm not with the bird anymore. I'm with what the bird used to be. And and that's that's what happened to me there. I mean, it's so, um, and it can happen on birds. I mean, heck, afterwards I had him throw me, throw me the pair, and I shot it bang bang. Yeah, you know, and I do feel, and when we talked about this before, that you know I had more gas in the tank, that I probably could have ran that stand, doing that. Yeah, you should have. It would have been risky. Yeah, but for me on that second bird as a style of bird. I'm more comfortable doing that yeah, than what that bird turned into. It's like a, it's, it's not riskier. It's because you have to, it's riskier by the typical textbook. Yeah. But I mean, I shot a four out of six. I can almost guarantee I would have gotten five out of six. You'd have got six. And, or, yeah. or, or maybe six because the shot was so easy when I, when I stepped back up and just said, throw, throw them to, yeah. didn't make really a plan. I knew what the plan I knew what the plan was because it was the original plan that I abandoned mm-hmm. for being conservative. <laughs> That's how I would have sh- so like that was the way to shoot that pair was like pull bang bang that t- that cadence mm-hmm. and instead of pull bang bang like that yeah. and waiting for that second bird to get to that third that third uh, transition uh, part of the line um, and uh, the assessment that like. If that was my first station, I would have mm-hmm. shot it that way. Yeah. If it was in the middle of the course, I would have shot it that yeah. way. But I, the assessment I made to shoot it the other way was that, like, I knew by the time I got to at least in my last pair, and the fact that the way that the course structure was, I was thinking there would be people coming up, and yeah. I'd be more extraceptive, and that I would not be able to see the birds that well. Mm-hmm. And I gave myself no margin of error sitting on a hundred hundred. A uh, hundred straight on the court. I don't know why I just hung up on that. Uh, I ha- I would have no margin of error. To, I had to have fully committed to a physical movement, yeah. regardless. And I, I wouldn't have time to make an adjustment if my eyes didn't work. And if I was yeah. going to be amped and extraceptive, my eyes are going to be spooky, so to speak. So I just chose the other thing, which I did. I liked less. I was way more nervous to shoot it the way that I chose to shoot it. But I, re- but I made the decision that it was a higher probability shot. And my mistake was, I guess I, um, I abandoned what I had first seen for the more conservative method. Mm-hmm. But it was I left it in in the back of my mind. It was still on the table, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. As the way I wish little, I could shoot it. A little teaser. In the yeah, corner. a little teaser. And I don't do good if I leave it if I leave it there. Um, and what I never what I never committed to was I never I never committed to, okay, this second bird is going to be more conscious. Mm. And this is what it's going to be like once I get there. Yeah. I never imagined that. I never I never put that in the plan on what that would be. So then when I shot it, I got there, was unfamiliar with what I wanted to do. Yeah. And and I missed it. And then when I went to do the second pair, I mean, the, the, the final pair, that just proved to me, like, that I should have just shot it the other way. And, but I shot it conservative. And the same thing happened. I got there was unfamiliar with where to be and what to do 
and it and then it continued to change on me and I I didn't hit the bird. Yeah. You know, wasn't a difficult wasn't a difficult bird. I just didn't have it in the plan. Yeah. You know, I had what I wished was the plan and never finalized that that the rest of that plan. Yes. Um um before we possibly get into another 30 minute question, if it's 2 o'clock, your your flight leaves at 4. Leaves at four thirty. Okay. What we should probably we have time for one more, or do we have? To yeah, go? we have time for hit. We have time to just run through these. Okay. Just real quick, I guess. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess another one was uh, that we were going to. I guess the question would have been, what is one of the major aspects that you that you are going to change? about how I shoot and to that um, what caused me to to turn that into um, uh, uh, that question was that this is a process based shooting which most of which happens prior to pull most of the consciousness is prior to pull in a planning phase in a process phase um, and that we're not going to be conscious mostly that we're not going to be conscious during the shot we're going to execute Um, and that that was very different you know Um, what was your question to me I guess it was you know what is going to be different about Oh, oh, you got about question. about taking a shot or shooting, and and the answer really would be you know that it it was a process. It's we're going to we're going to build a process based shooting. Yeah, the answer is that it takes decision making out of shooting. Yeah, the 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 process that I apply to shooting, you know, the problem is that scares a lot of people away. Is that the way that my brain works in explanation when I'm talking to myself, so to speak, mm-hmm. on a podcast, is it sounds so complex uh, because I use big words and I and I relate it to math and science. Where you listen to other podcasts of other people on, they're like, you got to look at the bird, you got to have a whole point and a quarter way back, and then you call pull and you feel it and you push off with your hands and you're good to go. It's like I just don't use an explanation like that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, because that type of explanation, I'm sorry, but is bullshit to me. And, um, that doesn't give you any information. It doesn't tell you why it's happening. It doesn't explain how it works. And so my explanation for what I do always sounds very hyper complex, but in all actuality, there is nothing more simple mechanically than doing this when you're shooting. I, I, I literally never have, and you know, you don't. Have the, the decisions that you're making is not what mechanic do I apply to this? What method do I use for this bird? Where do I want to shoot? Where do I need to shoot this bird? Uh, where is my hold point? Where do I need to look? None of those questions ever come into play. What is the lead? Never comes into play. The only thing that comes into play is literally where do you want to shoot it? Because there is it doesn't matter as long as it's a reasonable shot, you apply the same thing and it works. It's math. And so all you have to do is literally you could randomly, you know, flip a quarter 
and have that tell you where to shoot it. And then all you do is just apply the formula. And it's a very simple thing that tells you that tells you how to stand, where to look, what your draw length should be, how fast you should move, everything. It just tells you. You don't have to think about it in a complex sense like that. All you have to do is rehearse it. And basically, the only thing that it boiled down into the most simple approach is that you have people on one end of the spectrum that when they go shooting, they want to not be analytical at all. Then you have, and they literally just want to go into the cage and shoot. And then you have someone like me who wants to be hyper analytical and, and, uh, and, you know, and win a match. Well, this system applies to people on all ends of the spectrum because at a bare minimum, if you just read the line, you just look at the line and you mark the branch that the target goes over where you want to shoot it and you mark the branch that the target is goes over where you, where the formula tells you to hold then that all you have to do is do those two things and and it tells you everything it tells you how to stand mm-hmm. it tells you how fast to move it tells you your draw length it tells you where to look everything happens and so it's mindless and 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 this is keeping in, in we're not confusing this with a a a random chucker that pops out of a bush and goes some random direction yeah that's this you can't this we're not talking about that type of shot Mm -hmm. we're talking about competition shooting where you know what the bird does yeah right it's not we're we're shooting two birds or maybe in feet test you're shooting one but you've gotten to see it you you have a level of familiarity with it and those traps are not on wobbles yeah right if it was, if we shot this game with two wobble traps at every station, th- we would be talking about some different things. Also, yeah, it would be the same filter, just less of a, less of a um, you would, structured approach. Yeah, you'd have to make a conscious decision after you saw what the bird threw. I would just it, say right? it'd, be, it'd be purely proprioceptively instinctive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean that's this is all about you know. You're setting up a plan because you know what you can plan for, mm-hmm. right? This, this unless there's all of a sudden big gusts of wind, um, but you can adjust to that uh, because proprioceptively you're still taking the cue from the bird. Yes. Um, so weird noise. Um. This goes back to the first part of what I, I said uh, about these filter questions was this is really um, um, if I would ask, okay, based off of those two explanations, I might ask something like, so what is going to happen um, with my bird barrel relationship and in that it it would be the realization that i that i won't exist in a bird barrel relationship um as in a good and extended period of time for any real length Mm -hmm. of time and that, and you, you clarified this early on when, when we, um, 
spoke, I think you, you put it that um, when you see the target best, what is it that you need to see more of? So, and beyond that point of seeing it your best, what is it that you need to connect to and hold on to that you need to change? Are are you asking me that? Well, I mean, that that would be kind of where uh, that conversation would have been had I known to ask that original question. So what is happening to the bird barrel relationship if we are shooting like this? So I'm going to try to rephrase your question in a different way to make sure I understand it. Yeah. Because if I do it, if I can change your wording and to you it means the same thing, then I'll answer the right question. Yeah. Um, you're asking when you're at the moment where you're, you have the best visual connection to the bird only and you see it as good as you possibly can in terms of visual acuity, what else do you need in order to trigger the shot and have it happen successfully? Did I not understand your question? No, I guess it's 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 more, um, it's more like I'm I'm rolling back like kind of to the beginning. Yeah. Um, that it's. So what is I guess, it, it, with what you've explained, so what is happening, with, that period of time, of awareness of the bird and barrel and relationship what is happening to that in this style what is that going to be like what is your how important is barrel awareness and i'm confused about your question well I'm, i'm rolling it back to um because you asked me what questions would i have asked yeah yeah at the begin at the beginning coming as a conscious coming from a consciousness of barrel lead bird right i know right um i would be asking at that time had i known to ask it well what is happening to the consciousness of the barrel lead bird relationship how am i going to know the lead oh okay so just how do you know the lead well you know how do i know the lead how do i know the barrel how do i know the bird how do i know that relationship the relationship that i now don't even really see mm-hmm. i feel mm-hmm. right so the question i would have asked back then is, is so what so what are we doing to that relationship what are we doing to that consciousness what is that going to be like now i see and it almost is well it's not going to exist anymore it, yeah, it exists in a different way in a different way and yeah, I think, tell me if this would, if the answer to what I'm going to, if an explanation to what I'm about to say would answer your question. Yeah. When people, I probably, I remember telling you early on in, a, in actually it was probably at the Cross Creek a clinic that I did with Tom. Um, I, I talked about how a lot of people will say when you ask a really, really good uh, shooter, you know, how do you see lead? And a lot of times they'll say, I don't see lead, I feel lead. And 
I mentioned that, you know, in a lot of lessons with people, you'll get them to tell you to feel the lead and feel the lead. And, and that'll be an answer or a response to a shot that's missed. Like, feel, you know, feel out your lead and do it in your hand, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't like that explanation because that's not an explanation. That's just a statement. Um, and so the explanation of what is feeling the lead, would that answer your question? Yeah, I guess because I would be at that time, I would have been coming from a place that I didn't feel lead. Yeah, you don't know what that is. I yeah. would I would be seeing lead. Yeah. And my question would kind of be then, so if, if we're going to feel lead, what am I going... Am I not going to see it anymore? Mm. It, like... I would have been, yeah, yeah. I would have been very inquisitive about that, and I probably was. And we we did this, you know, through lots of lessons and things yeah. like that. That, you know, and it took, you know, because you remember me talking to you, you know, like I can't even explain to what we're doing to people that are back home that shoot a different style, you know, because I don't know how to put it into words anymore. Yeah, it, you know. Because the, the way that you explain that is basically it's a long it's a longer explanation but the, but basically what it is is that you have to frame you have to frame the perspectives in co in a contrasting way where you have to say that okay you've never felt you you don't yet conceptually understand what feeling lead means right now your only perception of lead is through a visual two-dimensional understanding of what it looks like and the problem with determining lead through a two-dimensional filter of what it looks like is that that means that all of your attention or any percent of your attention is on the space around the bird and in between the bird and the barrel and if that's happening, then you're, you are extraceptive. Your attention is on external things and not internal things. And that, by definition, neurologically, is why you cannot feel the lead. Because feeling the lead is an interceptive thing. It's an awareness of the way that your body feels during movement. And if your attention is on something using one of your five senses, like paying attention consciously to the lead yeah you cannot feel your body and that's why nobody understands what that means if they look through the lens of seeing lead and and but you'll get somebody that doesn't have the understanding of being able to explain it well as a yeah. coach even a professional coach and and because they don't understand how that happens it it makes the shooter think that it's different it makes a shooter think you're going to change the way I shoot by changing the way that I lead targets. No, I'm just yeah. going to change what you're perceptive to while you're shooting. And so it has yes. nothing to yes. do with like, oh, we don't pay attention. Like we don't lead birds anymore. We never think about lead. It has nothing to do with that. And because that sounds like a mountain to climb over. Mm -hmm. It all is about where am I going to change your perception of what's important to you to get a shot to happen. If you see lead, what's important to you to get a shot to happen is the two-dimensional placement of the gun. Mm -hmm. But in the background there that is not being paid attention to is all the way that your body is moving to get your gun to be that in that place. 
what I'm going to do when we talk about feeling lead is I'm going to, we could take the shot and think of it like, this is just the first analogy that randomly comes up to my head, but you are programming a website and what you as somebody who sees lead thinks of the website as mm-hmm. is the user interface, the pictures, the colors, the spacing. What I think of the website as, as the person that built it, is the coding. Mm-hmm. And you don't see the coding unless you built it or yeah. you understand how to work that. And so I can understand how, if I don't like the spacing between two paragraphs on my website, I don't just press enter twice. I go into the coding and you change the padding or the margin or whatever it is and you can change it by pixels. So I understand that I know what it looks like to change in the background what it will look like for the person reading it. And so it's the exact same thing in shooting where just because you see that doesn't mean the other stuff is not there. You just Mm -hmm. don't know it yet. And so in order to feel the lead, what you're doing is doing the exact same thing, but with a different perspective of what what to pay attention to so that you have the ability to replicate the same thing over and over again. Because there are 50 different ways that I can change the spacing between two paragraphs on a website. I can change it. Like I said, I just named three, padding, margin, whatever. And I can can make the same move I can put the gun in the same place using 50 different moves, but there's only one that's really, really good. But how do I know if the one that I'm using is really good if I don't pay attention to the way my body feels? And so that's that's all that that is. And it's, and it's not a scary thing to change because you're not changing anything. You're, you're actually making it better and more fluid to where we're taking away your attentiveness to the picture and we're putting it all dedicated, your visual connectedness to the bird, which will frees up that purpose of the feedback response to be able to feel your body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings up, that brings up my, my last statement here was, uh, that controlling trust, belief, anxiety, tension, and the like would play such a large impact on success and the purity of the proprioceptive shot. And that's really kind of takes us to kind of where, where you just took that for is instead of it being a um, call, pull, see a bird, put a barrel out there and make a decision on where to be on that bird. You've pre-planned you've allowed it to become proprioceptive by understanding what what you're going to ask yourself to do and allowing the the energy of the bird and the flight of the bird to tell you proprioceptively how to move but you have pre-planned it but the pro you know and the trust, the trust and the belief and controlling anxiety and tension and all those things allow you to perceive it mm. in such a way that you can proprioceptively move mm-hmm. 
to be in unison with that bird and shoot it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's kind of like the, the big aha is, is really once if you, if anybody ever trains with David and goes this route, I mean, be prepared for a journey. Yeah, that's it, why I named know, the podcast. Yeah, because you, you're going to be changing potentially some of what you do um, and how you think about things. And you've got to learn that mm-hmm. because you were probably taught in a different way. And if you want to institute some of what he has, it's it, it's not really a sum. It's not really a sum thing. You yeah. know, it's mostly an all thing. Yeah. And because you, you're going to be moving a gun different. Mm-hmm. You're going to be thinking about how you move a gun different. You're going to be releasing that connection, that you're going to be releasing that connection and consciousness of the final shot. Yeah. You know, and you're going to release it to a, a very specific plan and a better understanding of yourself and, you know, a proprioceptive connection to to shooting yeah that takes time to master yeah and um and it's cool man when you can do it when it's it, fun you know it's it's fun it's a lot of it's a lot of fun it's it's so it's so effortless easy slow and calm yeah i mean i've never there's a lot of birds i've never hit as hard purposefully yeah i could break them yeah but i could not break them you know with the tightest choke i had i could not necessarily ink ball them time and again and shooting this way i more often find that yeah your brain's better at doing it than your yeah i mean your brain is the is the best computer that was ever created. Yeah. And we only use a little bit of it that we know of. Yeah. Right? So train to to use it. Yeah. And to let it do its thing. If you want to step on it during an activity, trying to perform mathematical equations and guesswork, have at it. Yeah. Because you can't do that very fast. No. No. You know, not as fast as what some of the targets that we see these days and the complexity of the targets that we see these yeah. days. And the, and the length of the look you get. Yeah, and the length of you look, the look that you get. I mean, target setters are throwing blistering stuff, you know, and it's like, are you going to look at that for a long time? It's, it's through the trees and out the other side yeah. by the time you're making that choice. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> I mean, even Anthony... Uh, talks about you know you know see the spot that it crosses on on the tree and just shoot it right there yeah that's a little bit of how we're talking about shooting most things yeah you know yeah yeah is that level of trust and belief and letting go yes yeah with connectedness with your eyes and the bird Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm cool um anything else no man i think that's it i gotta i gotta fly yeah well, thank you, Curtis. I appreciate it. It was fun having you on. We'll have to have you on again. Yeah, good times, man. Yeah. Cool. Good times. Thank you. Yep, no problem. Well, catch your flight. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll catch your flight on time, and I'll add an, an outro to this. Okay. Later on.
Jesus.